Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. Thank you to all my longtime listeners and my any new ones. I'd like to say welcome. So today is a is a philosophy quick take about the new film Us that it is all the rage. And for starters, I really liked it. Uh, Jordan Peele was the writer and director, the same writer and director of Get Out, which I also have to do an episode on soon and at a later date. Um, but I will say that after doing some notes, I realized this episode is actually, it's not going to be much of a quick take. It goes pretty in depth, but I more so just hit on uh, Majorly One Theory and kind of just allude to the uh, different symbolism throughout the film and what I found as symbolism there. But obviously, spoilers, but this film is jam-packed, so maybe we you can use this episode to motivate you to go, go see it. But anyway, let's do some exposition. So, in order to get away from their busy lives, the Wilson family takes a vacation to Santa Cruz, California, with the plan of spending time with their friends, the Tyler family. On a day at the beach, their young son Jason wanders off, bringing a a flashback for his mother, Adelaide, who had her traumatic experience of seeing her doppelganger when she was a kid at the very same uh, beach and park area. So that night, four mysterious people break into Adelaide's childhood home where they are staying. The The family finds out they look just like them, just creepier and look a little like they've, uh, you know, been living underground and eating rabbits for years. Huh. But, but uh, oh, and, and the da- doppelgangers do want to kill their, their twin other. But pretty crazy plot, a little more bizarre plot than Get Out, but interesting nonetheless. So... Before we go further, if you would like to support the show, please uh, check out my Patreon for the bonus episode feed where you can get some some more philosophy and that bonus stuff and kind of get all your philosophy needs and interact with me, yada, yada. I also launched a merch store, and that link is below. It's called My my Store of Dread. And also check out my new YouTube. I just uh, launched that, and the link for that is below as well. But let's get back to the show, the good stuff. So I might come back to this film on a later date, uh, but this is just kind of more of a a quick take, you know, on some of the deeper messages and potential philosophy in the film. So at first, I thought this film, I thought it was doing some sort of like the supernatural style sharing of one's soul, and that's why one was crazy. Basically trying to say that we need, we need a soul to keep us good or something like that, you know. Which isn't all that interesting to me. Plus, I didn't think uh, Jordan Peele would would pick such a just kind of honestly just a lackluster philosophical point as the crux of the deeper meaning of the film. And I was right. The sh- the sharing of the soul is not not the point in the the supernatural sharing of the soul sense. It's not that. That's not the main point. It's more used to allude to this this uh, different meaning, and, and I would call it a deeper meaning. And one that I like a lot better. So now again, I will clarify, this film could have a lot of different meanings. I haven't searched the internet too too, too in-depth yet to find theories. But anyway, let's go in, go through what I noticed after my first kind of watch at the theater. So a major point of the film is the idea of duality. And, and the way the film uses duality is an important point. The characters have these mirror images of themselves, clones from a failed science experiment in these underground tunnels. So I took these mirror images of themselves to be the idea of a person being completely different, a completely different person given different circumstances in life. It's like it's a it's like a reflection of themselves almost opposite in a completely different world. 
So I found this interesting because of my recent episode on us not being good, which thinking about that episode, I want to go back and you know kind of add to better explain some things. I realized I didn't explain some things as well as I as I should have. But the connection I find is this idea that a person, you know, when they're placed in different circumstances, they could act completely different. You know, such as as being willing to murder, as is the case in this film. Also, we have this constant imagery of this Bible verse, Jeremiah eleven eleven, imagery um, from the Bible. So the the Bible verse says, "Throughout this is what the Lord says: I am about to bring upon them a disaster that they cannot escape. They will cry out to me, but I will not listen to them." See, this passage is alluding to the idea of our society praising these false idols, such as second homes, wealth, cars, boats. And then you have other people seeing that in others and trying to reach it themselves. That's the overarching message I see there. Now, in the film, we follow this black upper-middle-class family. So this duality is meant to have us analyze for ourselves and how we value the American dream. And and there's a reason that he uses a black upper-middle-class family and um, alluding to their their white Tyler family. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that. I'm, I'm probably going to say that for a different episode because I think that's an interesting point about the American dream and the imagery there um, in that in that what that kind of means in a deeper sense. Um, and, and that's alluding to, and he alludes to some messages that Get Out alludes to, and that's why I kind of want to save it. I might do like a combo thing of Get Out and this film and what... Jordan Peele is saying about both of those. So let's dig into the idea that the film suggests that any of us could go become this gross murdering monster uh, filled with rage if our, our circumstances were different. Of course, the others who call themselves us, that point is made for a reason. I'll get into that in a sec, are angry for being stuck following their, their tethered other above ground. So it's drawing at this idea of the crazy stuff we ourselves would be willing to do if our circumstances are different. I've kind of alluded to that already. But this alludes to the psychologist Carl Jung's idea of the shadow. The tethered is this unconscious aspect of the personality which the conscious ego does not identify or at least tries not to identify itself with. The shadow, because it's considered you know, this perceived undesirable traits of an individual by society, the shadow is seen as the dark side that we all have. This isn't to say the shadow can have some positive sides. It can. But the idea being we suppress or reject aspects of our personality and place them deep into our minds in hopes we forget that piece of ourselves and don't make it who we are. The point being, in connection with the the film, we all carry a shadow in some sense. The film Us tries to create a visualization of that idea where maybe it's it's building up anger by not reflecting on, you know, certain traits that we have and what that means to us. So to put this into concept to put this into context more to the film, let's look at the conflict between Red and Adelaide. The film you know, it, it seems to put forward this idea that our shadow is this more animalistic, primal, you know, concerned with survival, power, and control. Where Red, who is Adelaide's shadow, is the only one of the tethered that spoke throughout the film. 
And come to find out, she was actually the girl above ground in the opening scene. That was kind of the big plot twist. Her tether captured her and switched places with her, locking her up down below. So the conflict can then be seen as what happens when we don't acknowledge our deeper selves, when we don't properly discover our personality or ourselves, suppressing thoughts and, and emotions that beca- can be, com- become dangerous when they're not addressed properly. The idea of, of you know, suppressing maybe aggression or other emotions without properly working through them. So if left to boil in the depths of your mind, they can become dangerous by merely kicking the can of the problem down the road, to use that analogy. So in the film, the shadows are underground, unable to feel love. They can't see, you know, they're not seeing the beauty in the world. They are, you know, basically left in a bleak state. And Jung would say that we need to accept the ugly parts of ourselves, integrate it into our personality, but use it in the most positive way we can. You know, using it to be productive and civilized. So using Red and Adelaide again, Red, you know, she basically motivates these tethered others that are all down below to be filled with rage like she is. And Red Red lashed out with rage. Rage could have been cured with a passion or more productive way. Pursuing your goals with a rage-filled passion you know, I'm oversimplifying, but I hope you kind of get what I mean. And also, kind of now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't put notes on this. So I'm thinking off the top of my head. But Adelaide and Red, you know, basically Adelaide, the one that switched places and locked her other down below, she's kind of the reason for this big uprising, right? I mean, and to come to think about it, it's, it's it might be alluding to this idea that when you bottle up that rage, it can have these longer-term consequences that we don't even think about in that how it affects others and what it affects others to do to other people. Kind of this, like, ripple effect, which might be an interesting point the film was trying to do. I don't know if that was... I was kind of thinking off the top of my head, so I don't know if that's the main film or main point the film's trying to allude to. But if Adelaide and Red's first encounter was, let's say, with loving open arms instead of fear and hostility... Circumstances could have changed for both of them. The illusion of duality could have been been appeased. They could have found that they they can actually be their own individual selves and they're not actually, you know, tethered to the soul like to a point. You know what I'm saying? But I will say the shadow has, you know, every right to be angry. She was she was locked up in the creepy cell for years by this other person that looks just like her and has probably the same traits as her from what I'm getting is, you know, they're twins. But anyway. Also, Quick note on the circumstances. The twist of finding out that Red and Adelaide were switched, we see just how much environment influences someone. Adelaide, we follow in the film, you know, she was seemingly living a normal a normal life. She didn't think about her past underground experience. She was kind of just living this normal upper middle class lifestyle. So what? So that was a big message I saw, but the film is also alluding to other things. Now I'm going to discuss some of the symbolism of what that can mean in the film. So, one point. Why are the tethered voiceless? As we know, Red was the only one that, you know, seemingly had some some ability to speak. The others did not. And I took this as, this, this is meant to represent the imagery where the disenfranchised in America lack a voice. You know, lacking a voice in a class-driven society. Okay, and then you have the rabbits. What about the rabbits? You know, I took this as imagery of how much we are like animals or how much we like to forget we are like animals or at least remind us of that fact. 
I think we can assume the scientists were doing experiments on rabbits first, and then they decided to upgrade to humans. And I think, you know, the rabbits constantly in there are an imagery of, of that kind of situation. So what about the hands across America? I think, you know, that was, um, this one I'm kind of just certain of. It's not really symbolism. <laughs> I think it's more of just like making a point about this old charity scheme that was happening. I think it was during the 80s, if I remember right, on the date of the film. But uh, that was alluding to some sort of charity scheme and a real one where only half of the money raised made it to people in need. The imagery of our small $10 donations, you know, holding hands for a while and thinking that will be enough to to solve the world's problems facing the poor. You know, it's a way of, for the average citizen, you know, to absolve themselves from moral responsibilities. See, the tethered trying to kill the other version of themselves could be seen as imagery of also violently climbing over someone to reach a higher status in society. So, yeah. And uh, they were all dressed in red. And I think this is meant as symbolism, you know, forming this red line. That, so the charity scheme, you know, the the imagery was everyone holding hands, you know, uniting, blah, blah, blah. But they're all dressed in red and they decided to do that little hand-holding thing. The hand-holding goes from this uniting imagery to seeing this red line of divide between us and them in America. So this imagery goes from something united flipping it on its head and turning it into this darker imagery, bleaker image of dividing America. But last but not least, we have the scissors. Two blades tethered by a single point. Thus, when the, the red or the doppelgangers are carrying around the scissors to killing their other with, that killing of their upper version of themselves with the scissors, they are splitting the point of the scissors, freeing themselves from the binds. They become their own individual you know, point of that scissors, I guess. Their own individual selves is what it's really trying to allude to. But anyway, overall, I enjoyed the film. It forces you to not only reflect on yourself and who you are, but also on society and who we are as a society and as a world, as a civilization and how we treat people and treat others and treat ourselves. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and tune in next time. Peace.